Well, would you please open up your Bibles to the book of 1 John. 1 John is found in the New Testament. It's found before 2nd and 3rd John, before the book of Jude and the final book of Revelation. It's found just after 2nd Peter. That's where we're going to get our, our text this morning. 1st John, please. Now, it's not that 1st John was the first John to ever exist, but it's the first epistle. You heard Pastor Ray use that word upstairs, just the first letter that John has written to the church. By the way, let's do a little history here. Which John is this? John the Baptist or John the beloved disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? John the beloved disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very good. John was a disciple and an apostle. And this is the letter that he writes to the church. First John chapter 1, verse 1. When you get there, say, I got it. Okay, let's read together. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard and declared to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Verse 5. This message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light, the light, as he, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I'd like you, this is our, our whole text for this morning. It's the only text that we're going to read. We're going to break this text down. 1 John 1, all these verses, we're going to break them down this morning. Go back to verse 1. Let's read it together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. I want to break this down for you this morning. It's so important that you understand that the first church, the, the, the first generational church, that first church that got birthed out of Jesus after he ascended to the Father, listen, they had to make people believe that they really were bringing the truth, that they were bringing this new gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when you read the letters when you read the letters of Paul and when you read the letters of Peter, when you read the letters of John here, what he's doing is he's saying, listen, I myself and all the other apostles, we have seen this word of life manifested ourselves. We have seen Jesus with our own eyes. We have heard what he has said. We have looked upon him on the cross and we looked upon him when he rose from the dead. What we're telling you is the truth. 
And in fact, if you look back just three pages in my Bible, it may be one page in yours, to the, to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, you're going to see in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter, another apostle of Jesus Christ, says, listen, guys, we didn't make up and follow really good, cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the truth. We were eyewitnesses of the account of Jesus. And the first point that I want you to grab this morning is when you open up this awesome book, you're not just reading another great book. You are reading life story, eyewitness account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all an eyewitness account from their perspective. When you read 1 John and 2 John, when you read Peter, they're telling you, listen, I have touched Jesus myself. And yet we're living at a time where people say, man, that book is not true. Well, I want to I challenge you with this. That would be like you living your experience in high school, coming out of high school and writing a memoir, selling that memoir, and people saying, that's not true. Number one, that's not how high school is. And number two, this person's just making up these stories. You would be like, no, this is my experience. This is what I lived in high school. That is what we have right here, an eyewitness account of people who have handled Jesus. Look at the words that John uses. We have handled him with our hands. We have looked upon him with our eyes. Our ears, our physical ears have heard this word of life. And I want you to know that every single time you pick up your Bible, you're not just reading some random story. You are reading the truth. When you read the stories in the New Testament, tell yourself, I am reading an eyewitness account right now. How many of you love to watch those mystery shows, real shows where they go and and they might discover where this person's lineage was or where they came from or they're looking for lost family members? There's a couple names. I don't know the the names of them, but a person of interest and this type of stuff. Anyone like those type of shows? Okay? You need to tell yourself that that's what you're doing right here. The whole Bible has been given to you to uncover, to unearth who this Jesus is and who his father is so we can have a real intimate relationship with him. Do you get that part? Every time you open your Bible, you need to tell yourself, I'm reading an eyewitness account right now. The second thing that I want you to see here comes and starts in verse 3. Let's go back to verse 3 this morning. That which we have seen again and heard, we declare to you, we declare to you this morning that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Now there's a key word in there that repeats all throughout 1 John chapter 1. And that word, if you were to guess, is what? What's the word that I want to highlight this morning? It repeats all throughout 1 John. Fellowship. Very good. Now, I want you, on your own understanding, to give me your best understanding of fellowship. Pastor John was joking about it last week, but what is fellowship? Sometimes in American culture, we think fellowship is when we get together and eat food, and eat a lot of food, and sit down and talk for a while. But what is fellowship? What would you give your best guess? Victoria, what's your best guess? Getting together, okay, some other good guesses here. Zach, what would you say? Getting together to worship God, okay. Brene, how would you describe fellowship? No idea, okay. Epiphany, any ideas? (laughs) A group gathering for one purpose. Those are good answers. Any other ideas? Arthur, what would you say? Getting together. Michael, do you have any other? Okay. 
So getting together. Everyone, everyone says fellowship is getting together. Well, I want to make it a little bit stronger than that. So I want to tell you what I do. When I open up my Bible and there's a word that jumps out at me, by the way, does that happen to anyone? Will you open up your Bible? You're like, that's an interesting word. I like that word. Well, that happened to me as I looked at this word fellowship. Now, I have in my office what is called a concordance. It's the strongest concordance for the, new to, uh, for, the, for the New King James Version. So you know what I did? I went and looked up that word fellowship. And do you know what that word fellowship is derived from the word partnership. Everyone say partnership. That word fellowship means to participate or to communicate. You have partnership with. That word fellowship means you have partnership with. Let me ask you now, is that a little bit more deep than getting together? Is, is fellowship a little bit deeper than getting together? Yes, it is. It means you have partnership. You're participating with, you're communicating with. So do this with me. Let's read verse 3 and 4 together, and I'm going to replace the word with partnership. That which we have heard and declared to you, that you also may have partnership with us. And truly, our partnership is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Hey, man, that changes things. That changes things. I want you to know this morning that what John is communicating to you, when you become a Christian, when you become a child of God, you become in partnership with God and with Jesus. You begin to participate with him. What did Jesus do when he was on this earth? Before Jesus went to the cross for for three years, what did you see Jesus doing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What did, you, what did Jesus do while he was here? He shared the gospel. Jesus said he, he came to, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to heal the brokenhearted, and to bind up their wounds. How many of you in your reading of the Bible have read about Jesus healing the sick? How many of you read about Jesus raising the dead? How many of you have read about Jesus ministering to the brokenhearted? Man, what what John is saying to you here is that when you become a Christian and Jesus becomes your Lord and your Savior, you now have partnership with him. You are now participating in the things that he does and who he is. You are now beginning to walk as he walks. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is walking in the light. Now, I need two volunteers. Listen, pinch your neighbor. Wake up this morning. I'm awake and I'm alive. I came to church even though I was tired. So there's no reason you should be falling asleep on me because I'm yelling at you, okay? You hear my, I'm talking loud. Zach, I want you and Christian, I want you. Come on up here. Now, I forgot my, I'm going to run in my office real quick. Everyone say hi, Zach. Everyone say hi, Christian. Okay, I want to, par- I want to uh, illustrate, stand right here. I want to illustrate partnership for you, and I want to illustrate participation for you. Zach, I want you to face that way. Christian, I want you to come right here and face that way. Okay, face the opposite way. But I want you to stand right here. Stand to his side. Right here, I'm going to place you here. Okay. Come close. How many of you have ever seen a three-legged race before? You ever seen a three-legged race? What's different about this one so far? This is getting interesting now, isn't it? Aren't you glad you came to church on a Sunday morning? And here you thought Mr. Kurt was going to yell at you all morning. Okay, I want to illustrate 
something for you. Guys, on the, when I say go, you're both going to uh, go your separate way, okay? On your mark, get set, go. Go your, <laughs> go your separate way. Christian, you're supposed to go that way. It, it <laughs> okay, all right, stop. I don't want you to get hurt. Zach is a pretty big guy. Um, how many of you know it would be a lot easier if we just turned Christian around, wouldn't it? So that they could work together, right? Don't move yet, guys. This is what I want you to see this morning. Let's pretend, don't take this too much to heart, let's pretend that Zach represents Jesus, okay? Don't, 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 just, all right? And let's say that Christian represents his name, a Christian, okay? And this has really worked out this morning. I don't even think about this. This is great. But I want you to follow me for a second, because what, what John is beginning to say here is that if we're going to have partnership and we're going to participate with Jesus, we have to walk as he walks. But in order to do that, we have to know how he walks. We have to know how he lives. And so sometimes when we become a Christian, and sometimes we've been Christian for a while, Jesus is going one way, and we find ourselves trying to go the opposite way. Maybe it's a decision in our lives, and we say, no, God, I want to make this decision. I just want you to support my decision. And we find Find ourselves at a tug of war with God. Has anyone ever had that experience? Just show your hand if you've had that experience. I've had that experience before. Okay? So what would make more sense? Now let's see if let's 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 untie you guys. What might make more sense is if we oops, this is pretty tight. You guys worked really hard. We may have to bust out the scissors. You know what? It's tough being a guy when you don't have fingernails. Oh man. Oh, I got it. Okay. Let's start over. Guys, I want you to... Yeah, face that. Now, this might make more sense, actually, right? If we have them do it this way. Now, I'm not going to have you do it yet. Just stay there, okay? But I want you to get this picture in your mind this morning. Because when we come to the Lord, and as John says, we begin to have fellowship with one another... We're having partnership with Jesus in that. And sometimes we're working against God. God's trying to go this way, and we're trying to go that way. I'm going to have you guys sit down. I will have you come back up, okay? Thank you for sharing that illustration this morning. Your legs okay? You good? Good. All right. I want to begin to break this down for you just a little bit more. Because what we have to understand is that we get to participate with God. When, when John says, read verse 4 with me again. Actually, read verse 3. That which we have seen and we heard, we declare to you, that you also may have partnership with us. And truly, our partnership is with the Father, and our partnership is with his Son, Jesus Christ. If we're going to come to the Lord and begin to be the people he wants us to be, we have to learn how to participate with him. I want to tell you a little bit, I, I, want to I want to tell you to you like this. Like when you go to school, you're not expected to know everything. When you go to school, you're in school so that you can learn and gain more knowledge. When you become a Christian, you're not supposed to know everything. When you become a Christian, you're supposed to put yourself uh, uh, in study and begin to learn and gain more knowledge. And the problem is many of us, we say, yeah, I want Jesus to be my Lord. Yeah, I want Jesus to be my Savior. And we pray a prayer and then we're all done. We come to church on a Sunday. 
it. We might open our Bibles a couple times a year. We might try to pray, but there's really no progress in our lives. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, you don't see somebody who's set apart. You see somebody who's just like every other person out there in the world. And what that image is, is God is going this way, and we're trying to go that way. What I want you to know this morning is that when you give your life to the Lord, you will become in partnership with him, and we need to learn how to participate with him. And that is a progress. That, is a, that takes time to learn. Let's keep reading in verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have partnership with him and we're walking in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Here's my challenge to you this morning. We're going to break off in groups in just a minute here. But I just want you to begin to think before I break you off in groups. The scripture we just read says that God is light. Can light and dark coexist together? Don't think to answer this question. Can light and dark coexist together? The answer is no. When the light comes on, what happens? Darkness scatters. Follow me for a second. When the light shines, darkness scatters. Last week we said it. The light is more effective in the darkness because you can see it. If you have a completely dark room and you hit all the lights, the light becomes extremely effective. But I want you to know in terms of participating with God, God is holy and there is no darkness, there is no evil, there is no sin in him. So what John is saying here is, listen, we've got to go through a refining process. If we're going to walk in the light as he is in the light, there can't be any darkness in us whatsoever. Here's the challenge. What are some areas in our lives that we are deceived and we're walking in darkness, even though we should be walking in the light. I believe that there are many areas in the Christian's life, especially here in America, when we have distraction upon distraction upon distraction, there are areas of darkness. And the truth is, John is saying, there's no darkness in God. So if you're going to walk as he walks, you have to walk in the light, which means the darkness has to scatter. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to there's a few people around you, two, three, four, five, the max, and just begin to discuss that. What are some areas that we're deceived as Christians that we're still walking in darkness? It's a tough question, but let's answer it. Turn to the folks around you. What are some areas in our lives that we're deceived and we're still walking in darkness? You know, I want, uh, did, did everyone hear what she said or no? Going to a Christian school. Going to a Christian school. Paul writes about this in the Bible. Not going to a Christian school. But Paul writes about in the Bible how we're supposed to live not for ourselves but for one another. So, like, when you see me at the mall, like, I shouldn't be doing something illegal. <laughs> you shouldn't find Mr. Kurt outside, you know, smoking a joint in, in, the, in, the, in the hallway or in the, in the bathroom. You shouldn't see Mr. Kurt do that, okay? Because that's wrong. But we don't think about that. You, you know, we go to school and we, we have other Christian friends. I talk to you guys all the time. There's Christians at my school, but they don't really live for God. And what does that do? That keeps us in the dark because we think, well, if they're doing this, then it's okay. And Paul writes about that. We shouldn't be leading and misleading other Christians in the wrong way. We need to be an example. We got to keep moving here. What did you guys come up with? Really can't stand it. They actively work 
I think that's a good point. I want to stop right there. What, uh, what Michael just said is that, you know, we, we sometimes are in the dark because we're not doing it like Jesus would do it. We are shoving Christianity into people's face. And instead of being the light, walking in the light as he is in the light. Yes. Well, I want to stop right there. I want to stop right there. I want to stop right there. I'm going to use that, and I'm going to say one thing, and that's going to be it about that because we don't have much time. You have to do your own homework, and you have to begin to understand the separate. Everyone, look into my eyes right now, even if my eyes are not touching yours. Do your research. Separation of church and state is not a constitutional right, nor is it an amendment. Separation, the idea of separation of church and state, came from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote as a, uh, as a result to really protect the church from government influence, not the other way around, okay? And you need to do your homework and you need to understand. They, they keep telling you, guys, they've been feeding these lies to you because they're trying to get God out of America. They're, they're trying to strip you down so that we become debased human immoral beings, they're trying to strip you of who you are. So do your homework and find out. Separation of church and state does not exist anywhere in our Constitution. Folks, what did you come up with? Let's start with music. How does music keep us in the dark? Do you know, how many of you really, really understand the effect that words have on your life, words and images? You need to realize that the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, listen, only think on these things, everything that's good and pure and right and just and holy and of good report. If you think on all these bad, I just want to ask you a simple question. Okay. Tell me the three things that appear in every song right now in hip-hop or rock and roll culture. Drugs. It's girls. Sex. Money. Cars. I said three. There's three main things that I see. Drinks. Okay. Alcohol and drugs, yes? Sex, yes? Not just any sex, right? Real evil sex. Get on the floor and I'm going to beat you. You think, you, think, you think that's not what they're talking about? T. Payne wrote a song about that years ago, a couple years ago. See, and what do we do? We just sit there and listen because the beat is real good. Man, if you could just see that the whole point behind that, I bet you the devil is sitting right down there in hell laughing his head off because he's got Christians listening to that junk, and here we are thinking we're walking in the light. And we're going the opposite way. It's no wonder we have the sexually immoral issues we have in this nation. You sit in this room and you're like, you're so disgusted about pedophiles and all this rape. Well, you know what? That's where it stems. 
A simple thought that comes in from a song that the enemy works over and over and over in mind. A simple image that comes from pornography that the enemy works over and over and over and over in the mind till that's not enough to satisfy and it goes down and down and down and it becomes debased. It becomes immoral. And you and I can't sit and toy around with this junk and think we're not going to be affected by it. It is serious, this game of life that we're in right now. And so God is raising up a generation and he's drawing a line in the sand and saying, light or dark, walk in one. Let's not be Christians who continue to say we walk in the light, as John says, but really we're having fellowship with darkness. God said, be holy as I am holy. And so the final part I want to talk to you about this morning comes from verse 8. Actually, let's go back up to verse 7. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, as he is in the light, we have partnership with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Can I just tell you the beautiful picture we don't have time to get into right now? But what John is saying here is that when we walk in the light, we're walking together with one another. And that is the bond that we need. That's where the body of Christ comes in. That's where the local church comes in. Because the image that God has given us, gentlemen, come back up. I'm Zachary and Christian, come on back up here. Zachary, I don't think I've ever called you that. Is that your full name? Oh, wow. Okay, here's what I want to do. We're going to do the same thing. I only needed one of these. This time, you're not going to be Jesus. You're both going to be Christians, okay? This is the way that God intends it. Is that too tight? Okay. Is that, I didn't even ask you. Is that too tight? Okay. Okay. I am Jesus. What I want you to do is we're going to go for a walk around this room. All I want you to do is keep your eyes on me and walk together. Okay, when I say go, we're going to walk together. We're going to go for a walk around this room. I have to know where I'm going to because I'm walking backwards. But just, just, <laughs> just keep your eyes on me, okay? On your mark, get set, go. Walk together and follow me. And don't forget to keep your eyes on me the whole time, okay? Keep your eyes on me. little head bump from Zach to Christian there. Don't, don't be afraid on this journey to, to, to stop working against each other and work with each other, you know? Maybe, maybe, Zach, this might be uncomfortable, but if you put your arm around, if you put your arm under a Christian and begin to hold him up right here, you, you might be able to get, I know that might be weird, but <laughs> if you really wanted to, you could sustain a lot of the weight. No, I'm serious. You could sustain a lot of the weight by doing that and holding him and walking together. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. You might want to figure some way to just, to just walk. We're probably not going to go all the way around the room because it's getting very difficult. But try to keep your eyes on me. And don't be afraid to work together. Find a way to work together so that you're, so that you're walking. Okay, so you guys are making some good strides here. Is it getting a little easier? All right, come up this way. Okay, that's fine. You guys did a great job. Thank you very much. Give them a hand once again. I would argue with you that there is more in that image that God wants to communicate to you than even you understand. Because see, as I represent Jesus and they're keeping their eyes on me as we walk around the room, what John is saying here, as we have partnership with God, we have partnership with one another. And I told Zach, listen, 
Maybe put your arm around him. I know it was awkward, but I'm just trying to illustrate something to you. If you guys realize that we are here to build one another up, we're here. We're walking out this journey of life together as Christians. We have partnership not only with God and Jesus. Guys, we have partnership with one another. And we need to begin to pull on each other. And as we walk towards Christ, we need to come alongside each other sometimes, put our arm around and say, you know what? We're going to walk this thing out together. And all the while, we're walking in the light. What I want you to begin to see this morning is walking in the light is way more than we even realize. Walking in the light is not just becoming a Christian and having a promise of heaven someday. Walking in the light requires eliminating darkness from your life and caring for your brother or your sister who's also trying to walk in the light. Let's finish this out, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I want you to know that sin is darkness, and anything that keeps us in the darkness keeps us away from the light. And God wants to take his light and shine on the dark areas of our lives so that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. Um, years ago, I struggled with some major addictions. I had some major crippling addictions in my life, crippling. I mean, to the place where I couldn't go beyond a day without experiencing some of these addictions. And the truth is, they're not some crazy wild addictions that you think, what did Mr. Kurt do? They're the simple things that destroy our lives. And I struggled with them for year upon year upon year until at 18 I surrendered my life to the Lord again. And when I did that, what God showed me was that, Kurt, it's not going to happen like that. It's not going to fall off of you like that. But if you let me shine my light on those dark areas of your life, that darkness will scatter. People always wonder, how do you get past that place where you're so addicted and you're so broken? Because you just have to let God shine his light on that area so the darkness can scatter. God said, be holy as I am holy. That's not a challenge. He's telling you, I am in you. The God nature is in you. I will make you holy if you let me. Be holy as I am holy. And as we allow him, then we can begin to walk in light with him. And as we walk in light with him, we're participating with him. We have partnership with him. We're communicating with him. And as we do that, we're fulfilling the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest commandment, to love our neighbor as ourselves because we're walking as Jesus walked. And this morning, God wants to root out the darkness in your life. And that's where I want to close this morning. I want you just to bow your head. Let's pray. Let's pray. Bow your heads right where you are right now.